The Poetic Podcast. Hello and welcome to the Poetic Podcast with me, Jay Rosanna. In this episode, we will be hearing from Worcestershire Story Night, Kevin Brook. Hello, welcome back. Now, I love a good story, and I have been looking forward to talking in person to today's guest for some time. A Story Night. Published writer and advocate for young writers, Kevin Brook is inspiring the next generation of storytellers. But before we meet Kevin, let's hear him performing one of his short stories, Comedy Act. Uh, my name is Kevin Brook and this poem is called Comedy Act. It's a children's poem. My friend Ben Weir had a brilliant idea to get out of the end of year play. During selection, we were less than perfection in a very deliberate way. We tried out for the choir, singing louder and higher than everyone else in our class. When we tried it on stage, we read the wrong page and spoke first when it should have been last. Next came the band and I fell off the stand as I missed the bass drum with my sticks. We ruined our chance when it came to the dance and I knew we wouldn't be picked. I started to doubt when our names were read out by the school drummer head, Mr Fetch. He'd reached the conclusion being dire was an illusion and we'd been picked for a comedy sketch. So let's start this chat in good old storytelling fashion. Once upon a time, there lived a boy named Kevin. Kevin Brooke, hello. Hello, how are you? I'm good, thank you. Finally got you. Excellent, yeah, indeed. Yeah, thank you for having me. I'm more than happy to have you. And we normally do this in person. I try to do it in coffee shops, Kevin. The trouble with the recording devices is they like ambient sound and coffee shops are like a breeding ground for ambient sound. That makes sense. We're doing this on Zoom. So I always ask if we were in a coffee shop, Kevin, what would be your beverage of choice? I like a flat white. I like a coffee with a bit of taste, a bit of bite. And what would you have to go with it, Kevin? I'm a biscuit fiend, so yeah, a, a biscuit of some sort, a sweet biscuit, um, shortbread maybe. Oh, I like it. So people who listen to this already know that uh, I, I would probably have a mocha okay. uh, and, and I'd probably have something like a bakewell tart or a nice slice of Victoria's bun, something like that. So I'm just going to imagine mentally that I'm tucking into these things. That's a good thought, yeah. <laughs> so for people who were hearing about you for the first time, Kevin, can you tell us a little bit about you and what you do? Yeah, so. I mainly write for young people. That's my my thing, really. I suppose I write uh, books such as such as this one. This is my latest book, a young adult book called The Objectors. That's aimed at like twelve to sixteen year olds. And as the title suggests, objection is is the key key message. It's about three incredibly brave young people who object to a violent regime, stand up for what they believe in. I've also written one called Jimmy Cricket, which is about a boy called Jimmy who plays cricket so that took hours to think of the title and Max and Lucia the game makers aimed at sort of 7 to 11 so yeah I mainly write books for young people across the age sort of spectrum if you like. What kind of age is that or does or is it across the whole gamut? Jimmy Cricket is aimed at like as an 11 to 15 uh, objectives sort of 12 to 16 and Max and Lucia 7 to 11 
that's kind of where I've aimed it. Obviously, young people have different reading ages. It's, it's particularly nice when you go into schools because you can go into a primary school for the years 7 to 11 and maybe a senior school for the um, the ones that aimed at 12 to 16. So it's nice to have the two options. And where do people get these books? So, yeah, published by a local publisher, Black Pear Press. They're available on Amazon, on, on Waterstones, on the website, all, all of the libraries, the, the Hive in Worcester, Kidderminster, Stourport. I always carry a book. I always, always carry a bag full around just in case. I've just had my first collection of poetry published. Every event I go to, Kevin, I've got a yeah, book got just on. in case. You never know. <laughs> just slide them across and while you're talking every now and then. Just, <laughs> Absolutely. Just, just, just no, I'm, I, I'm, not, I'm not here to talk about my, 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 my book at all. I, I, I'm here to talk about Absolutely. something. <laughs> But if anyone if anyone's interested in listening, I'm sure it's called the objectors, right? Oh yes, 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 yes. Yeah. 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 So I did. Anyone that. got that yet? <laughs> and you're also involved in something called Story Nights. Story Nights with a K. That's right. We are the um, the knights that tell stories. Myself and a, a very talented illustrator called Sarah Prim Bryan. She does the illustrations for. She did the illustrations for this book. I'm sorry to keep putting books in there, but I think it's the best way to illustrate things. It's called Max and Lucia, the Game Makers. And she illustrated the cover and she illustrated all of all the wonderful illustrations inside. She takes my words and turns them into images and she's absolutely fantastic. How did you get to a position where you're writing stories for young adults and children? Did you always want to do that? We all get the urge to write. At one point in our lives, we say, I know what I want to do. I want to write. So I picked up a computer and I started tapping around my computer. And you know what? I wrote a children's book. And it was utter rubbish, if I'm completely honest. But that is where I went to. I had no writing knowledge or training or experience, but I just I wrote a book aimed at young people. I also write short stories for for, for adults, but for the longer versions, it always has to be uh, children's books. Like I seem to just be able to go into more more detail. I'm a, I'm a very literal person, and that very much suits writing for young people because, as we know, young people tend to be quite quite literal I mean you say something to, to a young person and they take it so so, so literally not, not all, in all cases but they, they sort of tend to so so my writing style the way I think everything points itself to to that and and also when I was at university they created writing to at University of Worcester and they got us to think about why we write we've been writing for I don't know three or four years by then what we you know why, why do I write and it became obvious that why the reason I write is to encourage young people and encourage people to write. So um, Max and Lucia, and it's aimed at young people. The main character is a dyslexic lad. So it's it's encouraging people who wouldn't necessarily read. I mean, that, that's the idea, to, to encourage them to, to read. Um, Jimmy Cricket is aimed at boys. Uh, I, when I was younger, I didn't read much. Um, I read magazines, I read comics, but I didn't read books. And I thought, well, Jimmy Cricket, I'll aim it at boys. So it is a big gamble to aim a story, a book at boys. That, that was the, the main focus of that story. And the objectives again, it's, it's it's all about so many different there's so many different themes that you hopefully they will be relevant themes. So there's it's things like um, identity, a climate crisis, and again, and again that idea that, that young people want to stand up for what they believe in. You see it all over the world, don't you? All these very brave young people stand up for what they believe in. You 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 go to Hong, you know what happened in Hong Kong, um, obviously the, the wonderful girl Malala, to name name a few. All these just determined to to stand up for what they believe in. So I was trying to sort of tap into that, I suppose, and that idea of encouraging young people every workshop we do we say a few things we read a little bit and then we make it all about them because it's it is all about them because they get and they and they can create the most incredibly imaginative ideas that's why i wrote children's books it's because i want to encourage young people to read and write i suppose 
you mentioned a bunch of social themes. Things like, is it trying to make those accessible? Yeah, yeah that's, that's, that's a good way of putting it. It's, it's trying to make making those themes accessible, finding things that I think that they'd find interesting. And some of the ideas they come up with, we have a, a what happened next section in it, we read Max Lucia, and the imagination is just off the scale. The objectives, we come up with ideas, they, because it's set in the future, a dystopian future. They talk about the book, and then we hand it over to them. Some of the ideas they come up with, what's the idea of the future? I mean, some of the, it is quite dark, some of it. But there was a girl who came up with this idea that she wanted to, she saw that in the future, instead of it all being dark uh, and the world ending, she said that the only way that the world is going to survive is by all the countries coming together and agreeing that the only way forward is, is to stick together. I mean, it was basically, it was, it was a story, it was, the theme was humanity. Everything she said was all about humanity. It was brilliant. There was another, uh, another person who came up with this idea that, you know, the, the polar ice caps. She said the reason why the, the polar ice, cap, ice caps are melting. We were sort of saying, so what's going to happen? And she said that um, the reason why there is ice on the polar ice caps is to encage in, in, in a monster. There's a monster at the North Pole and the South Pole. As the world warms up and the polar ice caps defrost, it's going to release this monster into the world. And I thought that was just genius. Hand it over to them and they come up with these brilliant, absolutely brilliant ideas. One of them said, I, I didn't get it at first. And they sort of said, oh, we're going to be we're going to be avatars and a world of animation. And we're just going to be little pods. Anything that's actually going to happen in the world is people coming out of their avatar, avatars and going into this world of animation. That's what I find the biggest joy. When you go into places where you work with young people and listening to their ideas that, you know, they're not ruled by convention. They're not saying what they think we want to hear. We try and open it as much as possible. Say, look, look, this is, you know, this is your idea. It's completely, it's completely open. It's completely up to you. And then to hear these incredibly imaginative, unique ideas, it blows me away every time. So your latest book, The Objectors, yeah. Can you give us a bit of that to so we can understand this dystopian world that you're talking about? The year is 2042. England is cut off from the former UK, Europe and the world. As resources dwindle, the Entitlement Party creates a devastating scheme to reduce the population on their 16th birthday. Young people of underling class are selected at random to eliminate six people. The reward for filling their contract is to win their place amongst the elite. Samara, Ethan and Ellie Mae, each of whom has a different reason to object, refuse to sign the contract. As civilization crumbles and a program of genocide is uncovered, the regime deploys its synthetic warriors to destroy an underling rebellion. The only force that can prevent victory for evil is the spirit and the collective strength of three young people, the objectors. Fabulous. So there's some really strong themes in there. Really oh. strong themes. The idea being, in the in the future, the world is a mess, an absolute mess. And there is a haves, when there haves and the have-nots. So you've got the, the haves in their golden towers, if you like, and the have-nots are in the streets begging. And there is no, there's nothing in between. And so in this country, the entitlement party, the, the, the government at the time, suggests this, well, we've got, we've got too many people in this country now, we need to reduce the population. So I'll tell you what, We'll give the underlings a chance to join us. All they have to do is kill six of their own. Not only does that, does that, does that reduce the population, but it also gives them a chance to, you know, be one of us. How, 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 how lucky are they? I, I've done this session. I, I always sort of say, you know, one of the things we do, we give young people the background, the story, what's going on, et cetera. Mostly when I do this to a, a group of 11 to 16 year olds, I say, what would you do? If you're faced with that dilemma, what would you do? Would you, A, say no, or would you be, yeah, go ahead with it. 
the reward isn't only for them, it's for their families, everyone they know to become part of the elite. Where in the story are they dropped? Are we introduced them to them separately as a group? The book is written from the point of view of three different characters. So the first chapter is written from the point of view of Ethan, second from the point of view of Ellie Mae, and the third one from the point of view of Samara. And that continues throughout the book. So the story is written from three young people's point of view because they come together, and then they separate. Then they come back together, and then they separate. So it's, it gives a, a real overview of the world through these three, three young people's eyes. Yeah, so I'm fascinated in in how they come together and I'm then fascinated in how what then makes them separate. But I don't want you to give away the plot or anything like that in the book. Am I right in thinking that you do the book and then you follow it up with workshops? Presumably before the workshops, you ask the people to write to read the book or read portions of the book. And then you do you pose a sort of what if thinking kind of challenges to the kids that you go and talk to? Well, we, we, have, we have a trailer. We, so we come into the room and we put a trailer on. It's a trailer that's on YouTube. And we put that one on, created by Sarah Fim, the illustrator's a very clever young son. Did an absolutely brilliant job. And so we put that trailer on. And that really sort of sets the scene. It has uses images from the book, basic outline of the story. Um, and then I usually do a little bit of a presentation. I use a, a very quick PowerPoint. It's just images, really. Young people love it. They tend to like images to, yeah. to, to, to uh, tell stories. So, and then I say, yeah. This is my view of 2042. What's yours? Are you involved in a writing competition for young adults at the moment? Part of the Worcestershire Lit Fest. I'm the, the, the young writer ambassador. The young writer's ambassador. Okay. So basically a very, very fancy title for basically organising a competition or helping to organise a competition along with the uh, Worcestershire Lit Fest to encourage young people to write. So there's, there's three different categories, different three different age groups, and I contact schools and I contact previous entrance and we get it in the week junior magazine it's been the week junior last year and hopefully this year as well and we encourage them to to send their entries in and then the best ones are receive prizes and certificates the story night sponsor the competition so as part of the sponsorship they receive books written by the story nights <laughs> so they win book tokens books and certificates and little trophies as well so it's a it's all about again it's all about just encouraging young people to write a 300 word story and okay. this year this this year the theme is forgiveness which is it feels like a poignant and uh, topical title uh, so that competition is opened now when does it run? it's open now it's open now and it closes in uh, the end of april What's the age range for entry into that competition, Kevin? It's in school years. We found it's easier to do it in school years. So it's years three to six, seven to nine, and 10 to 12. Is it just Worcestershire in the UK? Is it open wider than that? It's, it's open, yeah, the, the UK. I mean, last year, we uh, because we were fortunate enough to get it into the Week Junior, and they advertised it for us, which was brilliant at the Week Junior. The winner in the years three to six category came from London on, on, on the prize winning day. He came all the way from London. We also had entries from Cornwall, from as far south as Cornwall, and also as, as far north as, as York. It's become a very much a nationwide competition, which is fantastic. Administration of that must be like, Kevin, I mean, you must be inundated with entries. Book off a few months to sort that out. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I get th- I have three really busy periods. So the first one is now, <laughs> contacting people to, to promote it. The second busy period will be collating it and sending the entries to the judges. And then the final busy one will be organising the, the prize winning event. And, wow. and of course, I'm, there's another one as well. We also have an anthology launch because the best stories go into, into a young writer's anthology. So all these young writers in from years three all the way to year, year 12 become published authors. That's beautiful. What a brilliant thing to do. And that really then motivates them to, to sort of think, maybe I can do this. You know, I, maybe I could be a writer one day. It's it's lovely. After after these prize winning events and the anthology events, you can see the young people are proud as punch. 
and the parents are too that's, that's you know you get lots of thank yous it's you know we don't make any money from it it's a non-profit exercise absolutely stress that no one makes any money from it it's it is it, it, the reward is to see the happy young faces to read them incredible ideas it's it's, it's, it's a real joy we'd mentioned that fact that you you just wrote a, a story one day you just wrote a children's story one day how then do you get to the point of I'm going to write one for publication it's a big step isn't it to writing for yourself and then writing to try and share that story with other people what kind of journey is that I think I mentioned earlier I wrote my first book for for you was for young people and it wasn't very good at all I spent two years writing this thing and I sent it off to all sorts of places and didn't get a bite at all Uh, agents publishers no one was interested and then it's kind of kindly sent me the reason why they sent me they told me that it was completely wrong in every way i'd written a children's book but i'd written it as i was as I'd written for an adult the main character in the children's book was an adult i'd written too much description i brought in too many characters so i thought ah oh, i like this i like this uh, writing lark so i did a writing for children course and it showed me just how wrong i'd, I'd, I'd been how how many absolute whopping errors i'd made and from then on i know realized that to write for young people you've got to make it relevant you've got to aim it at, at young people so you've got to have a main character that they can identify with someone of their age and then make and then description you know an adult would maybe perhaps when i was writing for an adult story i'd sort of say i'd talk about the table i'd talk about the oak veneer I'll talk about the the number of legs maybe or where the sun shines off the surface or whatever you know go into all that detail for a young person, a table is just somewhere you put your bag and then you move on. Yeah. You know, it's it's just bang. You, you, you just got to move. You know, you, 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 children's writing, you can't. You, you go to a wedding or any event, you'll see all the adults. What are they doing? Mostly sitting down, still, quiet. Or, you know, chatting at the bar or whatever. Kids, what are they doing? Dashing about all over the place. Write enough detail to keep them interested, but keep moving on. Keep moving on. You can't. Just, you know, keep that speed, keep, keep, keep that pace up. I tell you, Kevin, I've got three young adults in my home. I, w- I only wish I could get them to put their bag on the table at minimum. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So we mentioned the Worcester Lit Fest, and yeah. I think that's where we met for the first time. Yeah, yeah. So how did you get involved? And you partner now with Worcester Lit Fest for, yeah. for the competition. So how did you get involved in Worcester Lit Fest? So, um, I went to start going to the events, you know, you sort of see them advertised locally. Um, when I realised that I was doing so much wrong with my writing, one of the other things I was told to do was join a writing group. So I joined Worcester Writers Circle. All of a sudden you're getting feedback from people. And one of the things when you join a writing group is someone says to you, oh, did you know there's a lit fest in Worcester? No, no idea. So all of a sudden you, you branch out and you go to uh, Worcester Lit Fest events and you find about another other spoken word events like 42, the one you're going to tonight. And there's so many events that you can go to. Yeah, I've, I've certainly found that. It's just slowly getting in, more involved in this, so the Worcestershire poetry scene, where I'm coming from. There are so many things happening in the Worcestershire uh, area. And um, it's almost a shame that they're not connected in some ways, you know, so that we could see everything that was going on. I love Worcester because of all of, all of the different facets that are going on. I think when I first saw you, you were reading poetry. Yeah. And it was only later, I think, that you mentioned that you, you predominantly write short stories. Very much it. If I sat down, I said, oh, what shall I write today? It's going to be 
either working on a book for young people or working on a short story to send off to a competition or something like that. So, yeah, and occasionally I write poetry. I'm better at narratives. I can spend hours and hours and hours on a poem and then be finished and think, oh, that's OK. I'll send it off. People go, mm, yeah, it's, it's all right. <laughs> um, but I can send, spend a bit the same amount of time on a, on a short story and, and feel as I've wavered something a lot, 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 lot better. I'm always fascinated where short stories end and poetry starts or the other way around poetry. I think I'm hearing from you that the, the storytelling is a thing that comes natural. Poetry yeah. is then something that you decide consciously to say, right, I'm going to do poetry now. Yeah. Is, where, is the, where is the difference between those two things for you? I suppose when I think about poetry, I think about conventional poetry. Poems set out into four stanzas you know rhythm and, and rhyme so classical um, poetry w yeah. gordon type yeah type stuff right yeah. in terms of your writing of short stories do you have influences do you have inspirations and i asked that because a long time ago i managed to meet jason bradbury who um, is a tech geek and he wrote a series of books for young adults called dot robot really really interesting guy but not somebody who would naturally associate with writing books so who kind of inspires you or, or where do you get your influences, either for short story writing or poetry? I think something happens. When you say something happens, do you mean like a real world event? Yeah, a real world event or okay. someone will tell me something. So my brother came up told me once that, he's, that his wife has, has, has got butter, has got butter fingers. She tends to drop things and she, she's also getting into trouble for dropping it dropping things on the floor. So I wrote a little short story called Butterfingers. So one of my favourite young young adult poems is called Poem Detention. It's about a young person who... I was going to ask you about that one. I saw that one on YouTube. Yeah, it was. So that's about, um, you know, a young person who can't get out of the detention unless he writes a poem. Max Lucia is a dark fairy tale. So at the time, I had in my mind when I was writing it, Roald Dahl. Roald Dahl, okay. Yep, I read Roald Dahl to my kids, or I used to when the bedtimes. You know, not all fairy tales are, are, are light... Um, sometimes, sometimes they are they are they are dark. I mean, in that story, it's all about the power of the imagination, and there is a lot of light. So they build this world from their imagination. The world they go into is created from their own imagination. But because it's like Max is, is dyslexic, so he goes into the forest, and he get, and all these things are jumping around on the floor, or jumping around. There. And as he looks closer, you can see they're, they're gestures and they're jumping around. And he, get, he looks closer, he can see numbers and, and letters on their on on their costumes. It's, it's representing uh, uh, words and numbers jumping around on the page when he's writing so because it's creative from his imagination it's bringing his demons into, into the story and it's I mean, it doesn't overcome dyslexia because you don't you, you don't but he kind of overcomes how to deal with it if you like. everyone's got a dark imagination everyone's got a light imagination haven't they but they've also got a dark one mine's mostly dark i'll be honest with you Kevin. yeah <laughs> <laughs> but so yeah it's, and, and you know it's bringing up you know the light and the dark and and, and the, the best the best stories have that, don't they? They have that they contrast between light and dark. So um, to give people an idea of the kind of thing you write, do you have anything you can share with us? I have got in front of me Butterfingers, actually. This is a 300-word story called Butterfingers. Five-year-old Maisie lifted her hands from the cake mixture and licked her fingers. She went back for seconds, but the bowl slipped through her butter-coated hands and smashed on the kitchen floor. Butterfingers, her mum shouted, trying to hide her annoyance. As Maisie became older, her reputation for dropping things grew by the day. The smash of glass here, the fracture of china there didn't help her cause. 
However, it was the incident with the Bunsen burner at school that sealed her fate. With most of the school burned to the ground, Maisie finished her education at home. Confined to her room, she found other ways to amuse herself. Small plans were put into place. Her occasional venture elsewhere in the house and the ensuing clumsy incidents were covered up. She became obsessed. For a girl who had always been blamed for everything, it was the perfect release. Life went on. Things went on around her to which she paid little attention. Big, hairy dude might be called Tom, she'd replied when asked the name of her husband-to-be. A man who continued the humiliation of her early years. I'll cook the meal, he'd say. I'll open the wine. The wedding day came. The service, the speeches, the meal. Then came the moment both Maisie's mum and the hairy dude Tom were dreading the cutting of the cake. Somehow, the knife dropped from Maisie's hand and embedded itself into her mother's chest. Somehow, when Tom bent over to help, the knife stabbed him through the neck. Maisie tried to look shocked as she wiped the blood from the knife onto her mother's dress. Oops, she said. Butterfingers. I think I got the hint of a dark theme in there, Kevin. <laughs> I can imagine my kids loving a story like that. I tell you, the, the thing I really like is the sort of energy you bring when you're when you're reading your your stories, and also when I've seen you do your poems. You know, there's an animation, and 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 I don't know it's difficult to do over Zoom as we are now, but when I've seen you in person, you like to move about. I remember being at an event where you were behind a mic and you walked in front of the mic and you went, right, I can't stand behind a mic and do this. I'm going to stand, I need to stand in front of it. Are you conscious of that? I think it's all about um, reading the words, isn't it? You know, you, if the words suggest that you should give it some bounce, then you should give it some bounce. And you? I mean, as, as one of the great things I'm, I'm part of the, uh, as well as the Worcester uh, Lit Fest, I'm part of the Worcester Competitive Arts Festival and I see a lot of young people perform they have this very authentic way of, of reading and performing. And I think it because it, it comes from within. And I think that's the best way. I think if you write reading something, then let, let, let the words tell, dictate to how you're going to say, you're going to, going to, going to um, read it. It'd be like the way certain songs, aren't they? I mean, the best songs are the ones where they don't try and put an emotion in it. They don't try and be this or be that. It's just the words are enough. And, 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 and I think, I think, yeah, so I think it's, it's, it, the words tell you how to behave, I think. Certainly from, from what I've seen and from what I remember, there's a, a certain amount of actually being present in the moment of the story. Yeah, that's a good, that's a good weapon as well, I think. Yeah, that, that comes out rather than just standing and reading the story. And yes. When you come alive, which is you do when, you, when, when you're telling these stories, on the receiving end, you certainly, or I certainly feel like I'm there and I'm, I'm in the moment and I'm, I'm, I'm in the story. I'm not just listening to someone tell me the story. So I think that's something that you that, that you do in, in spades. And uh, so it's really good. So I'm really pleased that that's with you doing the workshops and, and stuff like that, that that really then is something that, that gets passed on. Because I, I think it's something that doesn't necessarily come naturally to people until they see other people do it and go, oh, I can do it like that. Because mm. you know? sometimes, when we, especially when we go up, I think, for the first time to read, we probably feel it. There's a lot of going on in our mind, isn't there? Oh, it's terrifying. Yeah. How is it for you? The first time I was, I was still up at 42, I was so nervous. I, I, I had two pages to read and I'd, I'd read a, a paragraph and I thought, there's no way I'm going to get to the end. But I suppose you do do more, don't you? And and um, 
myself and Sarah were involved in um, a storytelling uh, event at Bodnum Arboretum. We do a, with, uh, with, with story nights at Bodnum Arboretum on the Halloween walks. When you've got an audience of young people, you don't get away with that. You don't get away with putting your head down and, and reading. You, you know, you've got to look at them in the eye. I mean, one of the first nights I did there, um, I was doing okay. You know, I, 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 I misjudged the audience. We've been told the audience was going to be about 12 years old. So I'd written something for 12 years old. It was full of three and four-year-olds. So I got it completely wrong. And I, I was trying to change it and trying to dumb it down. But, you know, parents were literally picking their children up and walking out. Um, that, that's an experience. Um, that was really an experience because it's because it, you, you get paid for whatever. Um, so people pay their money and take the choice. So I think, you know, when you're <laughs> delivering stories to young people, they won't let you get away with yeah. anything other than being. They might be looking at you and say, entertain me, take me with you. Otherwise, they, they walk out. So I think that develop a certain robustness as well. Yeah. How does that, I can't imagine how that feels if people start getting up and walking out. And I suppose it's something that we all experience at some point and we can only sort of learn by doing it more and more. Yeah, I think so. I think so. Yeah. And and you find your way, don't you? You find your best way. You find the best reaction. You know, sometimes you can read something and, you know, the tumbleweed is going. Yeah. So we talked about the step from writing for yourself to then sharing and doing the workshops. At what point did you then decide to stand up and go to spoken word events and share your stuff in that way? Because that's that's a big step in itself, isn't it, from sitting quietly at home on the computer and writing things or, or however you write, to then going, do you know what, I'm going to go and present this myself. How does that work? Yeah, I, yeah, I think it's 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 all about being with other writers, isn't it? You know, you're doing something you love doing. So it's lovely to go to an event and you know, you're going to read, read something, which is great, and it's quite nerve-wracking, and you stand up and you read your words, and it's wonderful, but it's sort of just as good to hear everyone else. So it's a shared event, isn't it? We talked about your three books that, that you've got. I've seen that you've been publishing a number of anthologies as well. So what are you working on next? Long story-wise, I'm, well, I'm writing a book for, and again, aimed at 7 to 11, same age as Max Lucia, the game makers, and it's based on the concept of the, the seven stories. So... The seven the seven stories that have ever been written. So comedy, tragedy, quest, oh Rags the Riches, Rebirth, Overcoming the Monster, Voyage and Return. They said every story contains one of those. Every story, the history of storytelling contains one of those. So, so, it, it, so the idea is that the world will be, will be a world of black and white. The world will be a world of animation. Some it's unimagination. And there'll be, there'll be a young girl of 11 who's been tasked she's going to become because she the book is going to be called the story nights she is going to go into seven different stories seven different plots so she's going to go to cinderella the rags of riches rags to riches and overcoming the monster she's going to go to jack and the beanstalk and she's going to solve the plots with the idea that she's going to bring color back to the world seven different stories every time she goes into a story she brings back a different color and the seven colors are going to represent the seven colors colors of the rainbow so that's the that's the, the idea. So in each plot, there's going to be something that a mon- modern cynical world can't accept. So in Cinderella, the big issue with the plot in Cinderella is the fact that everything goes back to normal. Everyone goes, which reverts to how it was, apart from the gold, apart from the slipper. Why is why is that? So she solves she solves the she works out a way around of of that. Jack and the Beanstalk. When Jack's mum throws beans out the window, she throws five beans. How many beanstalks are there? It's not called Jack of the Beanstalks, is it? It's Jack of the Beanstalk. 
So it's, it's, it's about how, how she solves these different issues in the plot. So is she self-aware that she's in these? Uh, oh, yeah, she's been tasked. She's been tasked. Or is she immersed in it? She, she's she, she has been given the task. She has, she's been given the opportunity to become a story knight if she solves the plot. Wow, sounds fascinating. So that's going to be one of your long form stories. It so is, a, yeah. A book. What's your timeline for that? Oh, I, you know, I'm on about my eighth draft, and every time I think I've finished it, I, um, I realise I haven't. So hopefully, it'll be finished later on this year. Right. Okay. I might check back in with you. Kevin. <laughs> I know, I know. It's a lovely thought, isn't it? It's it's time and everything. Oh, brilliant. And so are you on social media? I know you, I've seen you on YouTube and I know you've got kevinbrook.com. How do people reach you, find out what you're doing? Um, yes, I'm on I'm on Instagram. I'm, I'm, I'm Storyteller K writing. Yeah, Twitter, I've got a, a handle called Stories for Children without the N on the end. <laughs> right, okay. I, I didn't have enough letters for Stories for Children. Oh, well, it might be Stories for Children has gone, I think, so... To bring us full circle, do you have one more short story you can share with us? I was going to read my young adult poem. If that's all oh, right. Please do. One yeah. of the ones that's on it's on uh, YouTube, and it's it's, a, it's about reluctant reluctant readers, reluctant writers, if you like, reluctant writers, if you like. And it's called Yeah, Poem Detention. It wasn't my fault. Not something I said. It should have been Matt who was punished instead. It should have been him in this stupid detention. Even some others, too many to mention. To sit in this room and think of some words and get all poetic. A game played by nerds. I looked at the page. I couldn't even think. Not that I was bothered with using my ink. But I had to do something or else I couldn't go and finish a poem of eight lines in a row. Then my teacher suggested stop wasting your time. Think about songs and how some of them rhyme. You nutter, I told him. Who even says that? Songs aren't like poems. You asked my mate Matt. But I thought, why not? I should give it a try. If I got it all wrong, nobody would die. When I finished, he said he enjoyed my composition. He thought I should send it to some big competition. He said I'd done well for a total beginner. And then guess what? I was only the winner. I even got to read it in front of my school. At first embarrassed, it was really quite cool. I'm no longer the bloke who thinks that he knows it. Instead, I'm Ben Jackson, great wordsmith and poet. Fabulous. Kevin Brook, thank you very much. It's been absolutely lovely chatting with you. You, thank you, you too, Jade. Thank you very much for listening. And with that, we reach the end of our wonderful chat with Kevin Brooke. And we also reach the end of season one of the Poetic Podcast. And I would like to thank you for joining me throughout this first season where we've taught some inspiring and amazing and just brilliant poetic people. You can find my poetry videos on YouTube and TikTok if you search for me, Jay Rosanna. And I hope you will join me again for season two. I am Jay Rosanna, and this has been The Poetic Podcast. Bye-bye. <laughs> <laughs>